You are listening to a podcast from Classic City Church. We're glad you've joined us. Our services are held at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 595 Prince Avenue in the Piedmont Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.classiccity.org. This is a sermon from Pastor Lee Mason. If you have a Bible with you, if you would, turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 130. Psalm chapter 130. Um, We're going to be just looking at that passage in just a second. You know, in, in my lifetime, in the past 20 years, I think we've all seen three major interruptions that have happened in our lives. And I don't remember that happening earlier in my life. But the last 20 years, uh, three major interruptions. One, of course, was 9-11. happened in 2001 uh, when the Twin Towers were attacked and also the Pentagon uh, by terrorists. Then about six, seven years later, we had the economic crash, which they call the Great Recession, when it was just a major interruption to our world and to our life. And then uh, 12, 13 years from that, we've had this major interruption, which is this new pandemic, the, the coronavirus that we're all uh, fighting and, and going after and trying to keep uh, protect our people from. And each of those, I would kind of compare them somewhat to like a, a car ride. You know, the 9-11 was like a car crash. It was violent. It was abrupt. It threatened your health. It made you feel unsafe, and it maybe maybe got you a little angry. And it was a, that's kind of like what it was like. It was like a car wreck. I think the crash that happened uh, in 2008 was really more like your car just breaking down and really blowing up. It's like the whole thing just stopped working, and you're just stuck there with with a with a, a life, and life just stopped moving. It stopped working, and something we thought was just a something we were very dependent on the American economy suddenly couldn't didn't work anymore. It collapsed. And then, and I think this, what we're going through now, this pandemic is a little bit like a different car analogy. I think we've been driving down the road on a trip and we've been making great time and we are just humming along. We're full of gas. We're full of fuel. We're making great progress. We're passing landmarks quicker than we're supposed to. And then all of a sudden, probably in Nashville, you get into a traffic jam. And there's an obstruction. They're doing road construction, a wreck. Something's happened up front, and you are not moving. And you're just delayed. What your trip, your journey has been suspended. Activities that you had planned on you know, going to in the future, your immediate future, cease to be possibilities. John Lennon is famous for making the quote, life is what happens between your plans. And we're experiencing that now. We're experiencing life between our plans. We're experiencing life uh, suspended. Life where what we had planned out, what we had hoped to be doing in the immediate future has ceased. Life has ceased. And a real question is, what are we doing? Now that life has ceased, Now that our life's been interrupted, what is between our plans? What's going on between your plans? And just ask yourself that question. What's been happening the last few days in your life between your plans? What's happening now between your plans? And what's going to happen in the next several weeks 
as your plans have ceased and life has ceased and, and things have been suspended. You know, in the Bible, there is a uh, powerful concept that was in the Old Testament called the Sabbath. And the Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which literally means to cease. It means to cease, to stop having activity, to rest. And the way Israel celebrated this is once a week, for them it was on a Saturday, they rested, they didn't work, they ceased from their activities. And they dedicated that day to worship the Lord, spend time with each other. And actually, if you read their history, it wasn't just one day in that week. They, every uh, 50th year, they would have a what was called a jubilee year, where they would literally cease all economic activity. In fact, we have writings from other countries and other nations that were surrounding Israel at that time, and they could not believe they actually did this, but they would suspend it. For, 50, for every 50th year, they would just stop doing economic activity. They would stop commerce. They would live on the land. And what this was designed to do, the, 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 in the fourth commandment says this, honor the Sabbath and keep it what? Keep it holy. And when you look at things in the Bible and you read the Bible, we know the Bible says God is holy. It talks about our behavior being holy. But the way we really behave in a holy way is we treat as holy and treat as sacred what God has said is holy and what God says is sacred. There's just a handful of things God really actually say are holy when you read the Bible. Obviously, God himself is holy. You know, another thing the Bible says is holy is what we call the tithe. That means literally the, the 10% of our income, everything that we make, everything that we gain financially, the first tenth of that is understood to be holy. That means that's dedicated to the Lord. It doesn't belong to you and I. That 10% belongs to God, and we're to dedicate it to church and to ministry and to, to expanding His purposes in the earth. You know, another thing the Bible says is holy is our bodies, particularly pertaining to our sexuality. And it just simply means that I don't have authority over my body when it comes to sex and sexuality. It's just not my body. I can do what I want to with it. It's God's body. And we, to be holy, I do what he says regarding sexuality. One man for one woman for one lifetime. And when we keep that command, we are living a holy life. And so also the Sabbath, honoring the Sabbath and keeping it holy is part of living a life that's consecrated and dedicated to the Lord. And the reason it is so important to do this, if you and I don't cease, if you and I don't rest, if you and I don't suspend our activity, we get discombobulated spiritually. And what happens is this. What is small becomes big, and what is big becomes small. What is temporal becomes ultimate, and what is eternal becomes superficial. And that's what happened when we don't cease and we don't remember, as the Israelites did, that God is the ultimate doer. God is the ultimate worker. He is the one who is ultimately performing. You know, Jesus talked about this in a parable that he taught, it actually is the longest parable of all of them in the Gospels. And Jesus even said in the Gospels, the parable, what we call the parable of the sower, is the most important parable and the most crucial to learning what the kingdom of God is like. And what he taught in this parable is that he, he taught about how the Word of God has tremendous power. It can change us. 
It can produce a, he called it a 30, 60, and a hundredfold result in our life. It can dramatically change your life. But also in the parable, he taught that for the most part, people don't experience its life-changing power. He said some people don't because they just don't understand, they don't care. Some people don't because they start out, but they're sort of shallow. And when trouble comes or persecution comes or they go through hard times, they just wither up and die. But then he said there's another group of people that grow for a while, but then what else happens is thorns grow up with it, and the thorns end up choking out the life that was emerging from God's Word. And Jesus described these thorns in two things, the worries of this life and the cares of this world. And if we're going to take what Jesus is saying seriously, it literally means that the life-altering potential of God's world, God's word is threatened by the cares of this world and by the worries of this life. And it's something we really need to protect ourselves from. If we don't do it, we become discombobulated. And this is why it is so important that you and I take time to cease. We take time to stop. We take time to suspend and spend time with God and be with Him. And, uh, and I think what we need to really be careful of at this time when our life is being suspended, is again, what are we doing with it? What are we doing in the, in the intermission? What's happening between our plans? Are we just reclining into Netflix, absorbing Netflix all the time, watching reruns of ESPN 30 by 30s, you know, or going to YouTube and watching professional wrestling's all-time greatest hits? I mean, what are we... I'm smiling. The, the, the staff is laughing. They enjoy that one. <laughs> but, but really, what are, what are we going to do? And, what, and I think a real question to ask is, what's going to come out of this time? In Israel's history, they, had a, they, they literally, in the Bible says, because they violated the Sabbath and they didn't honor it, God imposed an exile on them to where the land rested. <laughs> it was a very painful thing. And I think to some extent, this is an exile. This is a God imposing a suspension in our lives to, to really wake the church up and ask, are we spiritually discombobulated? Has little things become big? Is the big little? Are eternal things seen as superficial and temporal things seen as ultimate? And this is, I think, what's going on uh, in our lives right now. And God's really kind of recalibrating us and trying to get us recalibrated to a, a place of reality and a, and a place of truth. And I want to encourage you, let's just go to Psalm 130. And I want to read this psalm. It's called a, what they call an ascension psalm. And it was read by the worshiper before they would go to Sabbath or before they would go to the religious festivals just to prepare them for what was going on. And it's a really great journey for you and I to take to go from a state of being discombobulated spiritually to being recalibrated around God's truth and God's reality. If you would read with me Psalm 130, verse 1 says, Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we, so we can with reverence serve you. Verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. 
Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. And what we see in this psalm, Psalm 130, is sort of a progression that goes on place of how we go from being discombobulated spiritually to being recalibrated around Christ and His truth. And you see in verse 1, in the kind of the, the pattern is just basically, first he experiences cleansing. Second thing he experiences a union, a uniting with God. And the third thing he experiences is, is assurance, the worshiper experiences. And this is the journey we need to be on as we recalibrate ourselves around the Lord and around Christ. Let's, let's look at verse 1. First thing he says is out of the depths. And again, he's in a state of, of discombobulation. He's not in a good place spiritually. He's in a place where he's, he's lethargic. He's not where he should be. He's been too busy. He's been too caught up in activities. He's been going from here and there and everywhere. And he is saying, I need to get recalibrated with the Lord. You know, today, one of the biggest topics that happens in church leadership seminars and church leadership meetings when leaders are talking is the growing trend over the last couple years of committed church members not attending church. You know, they say the average, and I would say committed church member, attends church 1.6 times a month. That's about 20 church services a year. We have literally gotten so busy and so distracted and spiritually discombobulated, we literally don't know uh, that it's happening to us. But we are becoming this way. And this guy's going, man, I am tired of living like this. I'm tired of the, 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 just the, in, the, the small things being big. I'm tired of, of treating things that are, that are ultimate uh, as though they're superficial. And I'm wanting to get back. And he's realizing in a state of, that's discombobulating. He says, gosh, in the depths, I'm crying to the Lord. Your voice, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive. And he goes on and he says, God, who could stand if you kept a record of sins? In verse 4, he says, with you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. And one of the things we see starting is he's going to recalibrate himself. Is he remembers forgiveness. He remembers cleansing. He remembers that God is a God who does not take, keep a record of sins. If he did, we couldn't stand. There is, we have no hope of standing before God unless he is a forgiving God. And he says, with you, there's forgiveness. With you, you wipe out sins. And we have to be aware of that. We have to keep that on our minds. If we're not uh, recalibrating our lives spiritually, we forget that we're forgiven of our sins. In the, God, in the, the epistle of Peter, Peter writes about growing spiritually. He says, add this to your faith. Add this to your... And he talks about growing spiritually. And he says, if anybody is not possessing these qualities in an increasing measure, he said they're short-sighted, and he says they have forgotten their forgiveness of sins. We can forget that we've been forgiven. And, and what this, the, the writer, the worshiper here in Psalm 130 does, he remembers forgiveness, and he revels in it. And he remembers what it's like to, to, to connect with a forgiving God. And in verse 4, we see him begin a state of being recalibrated. When he's remembering forgiveness and he says, now that I'm forgiven, I can serve you reverently. I can serve you reverently. It means a forgiven man remembers this. He remembers what's big and what's small. He remembers the difference between eternal things and temporal things of what is ultimate 
and what really is superficial. And he goes, man, I've, I've got myself right. I'm, I'm back where I should be. I'm recalibrated in this place. And look what happens in verse 5 and 6. Verse 5, he says, I wait on the Lord. My whole being waits for him. And in his word, I put my hope. Verse 6 again, I wait for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. The word he repeats over and over again in those two verses is the word wait. And the word wait in the Hebrew has, is translated you know, different ways in, in, in different contexts. But one of the contexts it's translated, one of the pictures behind this Hebrew word wait is the idea of a vine wrapping itself around a tree. A vine wrapping itself around a tree. Another use of the word is the idea of braiding hair. You know, when girls braid their hair, they wrap a lock around another lock, and they just wrap it together. And this is what he's picturing himself doing with God. He uses that word six or seven times in these two verses. I wait. He says I, in verse 5, I wait for you with my entire being. I wrap all of me around you. All of me is wrapping around you, and I'm sustaining it, and I'm soaking in this. We know what it's like to be in that state. We know what it's like to be where it is in verse 4, where you're forgiven, and you're serving God in reverence and fear. You know what it's like to, with your whole being, wrap yourself around the Lord. We know what it's like. Psalm 130 is saying, remember what it was like. Remember what it was like in your life to be in that state, to be really that calibrated, to the presence and the importance of Almighty God. And he's saying, go for that. So one, we, we're cleansed. We remember our forgiveness. The second thing here is we unite with him. We, we wrap ourselves around him. We soak in him. We absorb him. And we stay in that state. He says, man, I'm waiting here all night. I'm waiting here all night till the morning comes. With my whole being, there is an intensity about the, the beauty and the wonder and the awesome power that's experienced when we human beings wait and wrap ourselves around the Lord. And the last thing here, and let's look at verse 7. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love. With Him is full, full, not almost full, full redemption. Verse 8 says, He Himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Here's what happens as he goes from being forgiven to uniting with the Lord. Now he's having a, a tremendous experience of assurance, of confidence. And what does he remember? Hey, my salvation from God is complete. He's aware of that. My salvation is perfect. It's complete. I don't add to it. I don't contribute to it. He's done all the work. The burden for my salvation, the burden for my well-being in life is on Him. As we take a day and as we take periods in our life to cease, to recalibrate, this is what happens. We get assured that we're in His hands. That just as sure as my eternal security is in His hands, my temporal security is in His hands. And He's taking care of us. And full redemption is with Him. And I think it's beautiful how verse 8 ends with a, really an allusion to Christ. He himself, he himself will redeem us from our sins. He himself. And as we're going to receive communion in a, in a moment, that's what we're remembering, is that he himself came in, as, and through the human being, Jesus of Nazareth. And he redeemed us from our sins. 
completely forgiving us. A redemption that is complete, perfect, can't be improved. And we stand in that powerful work today in a, in a place of full assurance. We are forgiven. We are united. And we are assured before Almighty God. And it's a powerful thing. And that's what it means to be calibrated, to go from being discombobulated to being recalibrated. And I just want to say this to our church. Are you trading and exchanging one distraction for another? Are we exchanging the distraction of work and the distraction of activities and kids' activities for the distraction of entertainment and amusement? I encourage you not to do that. I encourage you to, to set aside sacred space for the Lord, to Sabbath, to Sabbat, to cease, to suspend amusement, to soak Him in, to wait for Him, to wrap yourself around Him, to braid yourself with Him and experience the power of a recalibrated life and a recalibrated existence. You know, church and spirituality does not get in the way of your life. It is your life. And we read from the inspiration Lisa did in Philippians chapter 3 where Paul said, Oh, to know him. Oh, to know him. This is my one goal in life. This one thing. I press on to know God. Jesus said, This is eternal life. That you may know the one true God. What an awesome thing. You and I know, we get to know and experience in our life the one true God in Jesus Christ whom he sent. This is eternal life. And I want to encourage you while we're in this state of suspension, as we are life happening between our plans, that what happens in your life is recalibration spiritually. What happens in your life is you as a forgiven person, united with God, Spend time with him and, and live a, in, in the power of an assured soul and live it out in a, in a fantastic way. And this is what we're hoping you'll do, and this is what we're going to encourage you to do every week. And um, the famous words of Forrest Gump, that's all I got to say about that. We're going to uh, pray and uh, take communion. Father, we thank you again for your word. We thank you that you yourself came and you redeemed us and you forgave every single sin. And we, we, we cannot improve it. We cannot add to it. We thank you for a salvation that is perfect and complete through you. Lord, I pray we would recalibrate our lives around those powerful facts that we are forgiven and cleansed, that we are united with you that we, are, we can wrap ourselves around you and with our whole being wait on you and that you yourself have come and given us a salvation that's complete. Help us to live in the assurance of that. Help our people, our church, to, to be very assured in this time and confident in you and help us to have the grace to prioritize you, to cease from vain, foolish activity to connect with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Classic City Church. We hope that together we can honor the greatness of Jesus by growing spiritually, living authentically, and participating in His purposes. 
For more information or more sermons from Classic City Church, please visit www.classiccity.org.